I love my HBCU And boy I love it, love it I love it, love it I love my HBCU And man I hope my team they won one I hope my team they won one Yeah, man I hope my team they won one I hope my team they won one I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they won a loss. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yesler and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yes. with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Mike Washington did not get the assignment. I think he's, you know, I don't know if he's still trying to get, I don't know what's going on. But, you know, I think he, he decided to celebrate his sorrows away or what have you. But uh, <laughs> we're going to have to check on my buddy. <laughs> but let me say this kudos to Charles yes, I gave indeed. you a gift last night but uh, officially want to make sure we tell it to everybody slowburnswaco.com uh, as you get the cigar and the rest, cigar. the rest of the Jackson State University Tigers for winning the SWAC championship game yeah it's a surreal feeling uh, it's been a long time um I thought back, you know, Dr. Cavill to uh, one of my first collegiate broadcasts with uh, Mike Prince and Open Mic Network, and I'll never forget the opening kickoff, and uh, we're playing in the old Walter ISD Stadium, and the ball boomerang back <laughs> behind the kickoff team, which was Jackson State and Prairie View, recovered. It was some rough Jackson State years, and to finally come full circle to get to that Ooh. SWAG championship game against Prairie View. And you kind of wow. think about all, all the all the uh, things that have happened. You know, uh, uh, Ashley Robinson coming from Prairie View to uh, Jackson State, our observations about Jackson State football when he was at Prairie View. And uh, it all kind of hit me yesterday. It was like, wow, you know, this is all full circle. This gets this uh, tough Prairie View squad. It was tremendous, tremendous atmosphere, tremendous game. And going to Atlanta, going to the Celebration Bowl. This is a fun. All right, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. No, <laughs> <laughs> no we'll, we'll, we'll do that the whole show. It's, it's tired of being a good sport. Now, with that being said, uh, I really like the way you pinned that. I mean, in all seriousness, taking it back, uh, and you made me remember that. And you're right. I did see you in there. And the look on your face about literally where Jackson State had fallen, not so much in terms of that they were losing to Prairie View, but in terms of how they played yeah. and how in some ways it looked like they, you hate to say these kind of words, like they gave up. I don't even want to say quit, but, you know, like they gave up. Yeah, the and pride. So to see yeah. them, yeah, the pride that you wanted to play with um, and to see that with the fan base and everything is the culmination of a great thing. So welcome to episode 215 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast. The show is covering the sporting HBC dash for all things HBC sports from institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBC sports culture, HBC athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of the HBC athletic programs and the business of HBC sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. As you see, Mike Washington is on assignment, or at least that's the story we're going to stick with uh, uh, because he had a little too much fun regardless of what took place. Yeah. Yeah, it, it works. It works. It works. <laughs> it works. We are filming from our home studio and sending a signal live. In case it's 1230 a.m. Studios with Texas Radio Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Mike and Joe Clay came on here and they told you that they love some Jackson, uh, the city in terms of uh, the fun they can have there. The only thing I would say about Jackson in a lot of ways, this is out of their control. It was so much going on that when you got to the airport, you couldn't even get an Uber, a, a Lyft. There was no thing. But it was cool because you literally had Prairie View and Jackson folks that would say, hey, you need a ride. Because some people had rental cars, had people picking up, and they were taking you wherever you needed to go to the hotel. Mm-hmm. So it worked out. The, the 
as we talk about what are we to each other, right? That mm -hmm. said it all. The tailgate was dynamic. Um, you had a lot of folks, Alan, uh, for 1876 sports class were talking about it was similar to what we see at Prairie before homecoming. And it was that. And they were literally walking around as you come in, mixing, sharing it. It happened to be December 4th, Founders Day, 115 years for Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. So I told you yesterday, but for everybody to know, uh, for all the Alphas out there, happy belated Founders Day, including yes, to you, Brother Bishop. Mm -hmm. um, so Same was, Thank you. It was fantastic in terms of what that looks like. Let me go ahead and bring Drew in on this to see his thought, because I'm sure that he had a chance to check out a lot of things. Um, but while you're doing that, before, I, yeah, let me ask you first, how you doing this morning? I, I'm, I'm doing fine, uh, fellas, you know, a mm -hmm. little bit uh, under the weather, but we're going to get through this for today. There you go. There you go. Can you pull up the picture with Charles and his, his ticket, the trophy? I want to get that out there for <laughs> so, keep talking while I pull it up, Doc. Yeah, I want everybody to see this picture because it just <laughs> came up in my feed, and I was like, "What is it?" I said, "This brother holding a trophy. How did you get the trophy?" I don't know. I still want to know, Charles. Tell us the backstory. How did you get to the trophy? I mean, everybody doesn't get the trophy. Even the players, you know, take a picture around the trophy. Very yeah. few players get to actually hold the trophy. People don't realize this, but our very own. Professor Charles Bishop actually is hosting the trophy long enough to be able to get a good picture. You know, that, that trophy uh, turned into uh, the Stanley Cup a little bit. Everybody got an opportunity to kind of uh, get their hands on it and, <laughs> okay. and, and, and get some pictures. So it, it was a pretty cool experience. Uh, uh, the, the trophy getting passed around last night. Uh, a lot of players, a lot of coaches, uh, Neely and myself get an opportunity to hold a trophy, to host a trophy. And, you know, for a guy who's grown up, immersed into this uh, black college uh, uh, sporting atmosphere, uh, the sporting diaspora, as you put it, uh, Jackson State football, Lord, to get an opportunity to, to hold that swag trophy. Uh, that, that, that meant a lot. I really enjoyed that. That was uh, real personal for me. No doubt about it. Uh, we ready for it? Yeah, he got it up there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, Charles, you're looking mighty slim there, too, man. You look hey, slim. man, we, we get on this Peloton, man. We we, we work on some things. <laughs> let, me, let me shout out some folks. Diane Weber wants you to know, uh, boo, somebody says the champs, as in T-H-E-E -E is here. <laughs> Diane Weber said boo. Uh, Michael <laughs> Lee is in the house. Dr. Neal, some of us SU fans are putting up a barricade on I-10 corridor. I want <laughs> for the, for the for the coach, because <laughs> they 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 take care of you too when you come to Southern. Uh, so hopefully it's not for the fan base. So it might be for somebody else. So that should be interesting to see. <laughs> no, uh, Roderick Holmes, Doctor Holmes is in here. Mary Allen says good morning. Jamie Walker, good morning, good people. What an event and what a first three quarters, no doubt. Yeah, and then it went south for the Prairie View fans out there. Uh, but great television in a lot of ways. In all seriousness, they represent it. 50,128 is the count, which means the game was uh, recorded as the largest um, attended SWAC championship game going back to the initial game in 1999, I believe, uh, with Southern and Jackson. So kudos again uh, for Jackson State and the Prairie View fans because a lot of people yeah. were Prairie View fans going to come. Uh, week notice, booked up the trips, got on the planes, put in probably around – 12,000, 11, 12,000 people there. So I thought that was awesome to see. Uh, but certainly kudos to also the other fans. I've seen a lot of people from other schools, FAMU, Grambling. I saw representation, Valley, shirts on, all corn. They were all in the house, Southern, Alabama A&M and Alabama State, Bethune-Cookman. I even saw a shirt around there with that information. So I want to shout out to all those folks, including Texas Southern University. So I thought that was real cool to see there. Anything before we move forward and get into um, obviously scores a little bit and, and then talking about the game uh, as mm -hmm. we go a little further in that, any additional thoughts that you wanted to provide in terms of the game? Man? Yeah, you know, I, I thought one of the more, more poignant moments of the night was uh, uh, talking to Keontae Hampton, and he was just at a loss for words. You know, he uh, had seen some uh, 
rough Jackson State years. Uh, this was his, you know, senior year and for, for the SWAC championship game, uh, for him to get a ring, uh, that meant a lot to him. So, you know, it, it was guys like that, you know, guys who had stuck around, uh, who, who, who fought through uh, whatever adversity with Jackson State football prior to Coach Brown coming, went through the spring, and, and here they are here in the fall, and, you know, uh, now they have a SWAC championship ring. And, you know, Coach Prime, he said, you know, I, I know what's coming, you know, after he talked about the spring. And I know the type of team that I'm uh, attempting to build and and for it to culminate in a SWAC championship and have an opportunity to play for the Celebration Bowl. That was huge. And a uh, young man like that, great, tremendous linebacker, been SWAC defense player of the year. Uh, but uh, for him to have an opportunity to get a SWAC ring, that was a special moment for him as well. Yeah, so the two HBC games you got on yesterday, obviously a lot of us were talking about the SWAC championship games. It happened to be on ESPN2, and this was championship week, so you looked at that. You also had the Division Two playoffs uh, with Bowie State making it to the third round, playing uh, the number one team that won the championship a couple of years ago, about Austin State, the Blazers. They couldn't quite get it done, 41-17, uh, to 17, but kudos to the Bulldogs on a great season. Um, uh, to make it this far furthest than they ever have made it. In terms of that good representation of CIAA football, is certainly back uh, in that conference. Um, looks like the SIC, um, as they've gotten back in the football season too, of business as Albany State had a significant season, Savannah State, but it looks like there's going to be some changes at the head, Savannah State. So it'll be interesting to see what that program looks like moving forward. But let me go to you, A.D. Talk a little bit about the Bulldogs. Well, first of all, let's give a shout-out to, uh, to Bowie State for making it. The, that's the furthest, I believe, a team has made it since Tuskegee made it there in, I believe, 2014, 2015. Then, of course, Winston-Salem prior to that, making it all the way to the, uh, to the, uh, to the championship game. So, uh, you know – we do we do football well at both at uh the division two level and at the uh FCS level. One like thing that was it. noted about <laughs> the game, I have not had a chance to actually go back and watch the game was from the articles I've read, they gave big props to the Bowie State defense for their performance against Valdosta State, one of the top offensive teams in the Division two level. So uh Coach Wilson over there doing a few things. And you know, I don't want to put it out there this fast, but you you always have to wonder with about a dozen jobs open uh throughout HBCU football, you know, where is Coach Wilson's name on the list? He should be on the list somewhere. Now, whether he wants to go or something, that's a totally different story. But Coach David Wilson and his staff you know, his coordinators should be on some of these lists for some of these openings that are out there in HBCU football and football in general. I like the way you think. I agree wholeheartedly with that. A couple of other coaches we've had on recently was Wilson on here. We've had T.C. Taylor, offensive coordinator, the run he's making. Uh, will his name jump out there a little more? A um, couple of other coaches uh, as well. be interesting to see. Mac's name's been out there, Coach Mac, formerly of North Carolina Central, now Tennessee. Um, one of the hiring places at Alabama State has made the move, so you have two spots, a couple of more Division II spots open as well. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what takes place as we move forward. Let's get into this break, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the SWAC championship game as we move forward. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. <laughs> Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. 
standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Network. He know what he be talking about, talking about. Mike and Charles, Charles, they know what they be talking about, talking about. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. So Charles Bishop and Neely, they follow Jackson State football and having dinner with them. I mean, they said, this team feels like nobody can score three times on them. Three times. He didn't say if it was three field goals. Go ahead, Doc. This is Dr. Khalil inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike is on assignment, but we have none other than Professor Bishop and Professor Drew. Visiting professor, as you know, coming in. B.J. Jones is on the road. Shout out to Jamie Walker, B.J. Jones. They were in the house doing it. Shout out to Neely as he's put in a lot of work over this year. Congratulations to Neely. Got a chance to uh, partake with festivities afterwards. He uh, is certainly uh, a man of, of high quality in terms of the way he handled himself after the championship and really breaking down some things. Uh, good, good sportsmanship all the way. Kudos to him uh, in terms of what he brings to the table. It's going to be fascinating getting in Atlanta a couple of weeks. We're going to bring you a lot of insight. So make sure that you stick with us because while the season is running down, it's not over. It's going to be interesting. I put up there that we moved to 10 o'clock today because we're on the road moving around, just got back in time. But I said congratulations to Charles and the rest of Jackson State Tigers in terms of the win. At this point, you got an A. But uh, as you know, final exams are around the corner. Got to finish. Graduate in 2021. <laughs> You must, as Diane would say earlier in her remarks, uh, that um, Prayer View didn't understand the assignment. I think she's correct at this point. But I want to make sure you tell Jackson State right. they must finish the assignment if right. they want this A+. Plus. You're sitting at an A. Great season. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything's on the line. Finish the deal mm-hmm. so you can get this A+, plus and put a stamp on the season. And I will say this, uh, Coach Prime drove that statement home that it's not over. You know, it's one more uh, big game out there for Jackson State. Uh, and, you know, nobody remembers second place. So he made that point uh, to say that um, <laughs> you got to finish it. You got to finish it. So uh, Celebration Bowl is going to be a fun and exciting time for our Jackson State fans and Jackson State fan base. Jack State team, but uh, like Diane said, understand the assignment. The assignment is go ahead and get the celebration win uh, for Jack State for the Southwestern Athletic Conference. So looking forward to it. It's going to be an interesting uh, uh, game, going to be a great game. Tough South Carolina State uh, Bulldog football team, private football team. Uh, they have tradition and history as well. So it's going to be a great game. Before we get too far in front of us, let's go back to this matchup. Um, had the stats so I can break it down a little bit. And people watch the game. You may have seen something else. Uh, but it started out, Prairie View gets on the board first, goes up 7-0. Jackson State comes back, ties it up. So at the end of the first quarter, 7-7. Very good game in terms of the competitiveness. Um, neither team could really uh, run the ball that much in terms of what they were doing. Total offense was 91 for Prairie View. J- Jackson State was 72. Uh, passing was 72, one on that trick play on fourth and two, really caught Jackson State. But as you talked about earlier, and we will get a chance to maybe see that, that's not a problem with Jackson State. They will give up a score, but they seem to get better and tougher throughout the game. We saw a lot of that, a lot of that in this game. I think there were a couple of chances that uh, 
that could have put the game differently if you have drawn pass connect on that. But one of the things I said going in this, you said also was about the need to stop the run, uh, which makes Jawan pass better. And essentially, um, Prairie View could not run the ball. Uh, Jackson mm -hmm. State did a little better. They couldn't run the ball much either in terms of both defenses really setting the tempo of this game. And then finally, uh, in the second half, you talked about those big plays the interception for a touchdown, the kickoff return, obviously special teams, a uh, punt uh, that was shanked, for lack of better words, set up a score. So a lot going on in terms of what's taking place there. So did want to talk about that a little bit. What did you think about, let's go in terms of that first quarter, anything stood out to you in that part of the game? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it is a it was a typical slow start uh, for the Jack State offense uh, in that first quarter, um, and it has looked kind of that way all season. Uh, this team, I, I kind of describe them as like a middleweight box. You know, uh, they feel you out for the first three, four rounds, and then they flirt, flirt in the middle rounds, flirt in, in, at the end, and you look up and they they won the boxing match. Uh, but that has been who they've been all season. Uh, uh, for whatever reason, as much talent as they have. Uh, there has only been one game that comes to mind where they came out the gates hot, and that was Alabama A&M. Uh, but normally, you know, it almost takes, and I've said it all season, for them to be hitting the mouth first before they come back really uh, punching. And that was, you know, kind of uh, case in point yesterday. Uh, they got hit in the mouth first by a preview. Awesome uh, play design on the fourth and two, a little trickery. Uh, eye discipline wasn't there, and uh, they got caught off guard. But, you know, as soon as you, you got that, Jackson State got right back in, in position and scored, you know. Uh, and, and and that's been one of the themes. Uh, Coach Prime will say it all the time, win the quarter, win the quarter. So that that, that quarter was a draw. Uh, so I think, you know, that was uh, helpful at least that uh, you, you just seen no panic from the Jackson State team all season. Uh, whether, you know, they get down or whatever, it's not working uh, for them that they had, you know, contemplated going into the game. They just keep uh, pounding rock, and, and eventually something comes forward. Other than maybe the first game against FAMU, and uh, Drew probably remembers that, do you recall another game of the season where you didn't necessarily see the offense get as engaged as they tend to do maybe later in the game um, with the special teams and the defense in a lot of ways really playing this out? Even the second score was a short field in terms of the defense putting him in that position to get that. Um, so offensively, you didn't see a lot of production overall for Jackson State University. And this is not disparaged because um, you need all three phases and whatever works to win a game. Right, what goes right. Down. But I'm just talking about moving forward and to give people a bigger picture of the season as you followed it to that level. Did you see um, any other game? Again, maybe obviously the FAMU game probably resonates with me. But am I missing one there? Uh, FAMU definitely uh, was, was a tough uh, uh, slugfest, if you will, uh, from a defensive standpoint. Offense just really couldn't get on track like they wanted to. Delta State was, I, I thought, another uh, game where it was kind of difficult. You know, the offense came along in, in hits and spurts. Uh, same thing with, with the, the really comes to mind uh, where it was uh, hits and spurts uh, for the offense, and eventually they got it done. Like I said, it's almost – as though, you know, it's like watching a boxing match. The first few rounds, it's just you're trying to figure out what it is they're doing, and then you get a few punches in there in the middle rounds, and then you flurry late. Um, and that's kind of just been kind of the story of the season. Fascinating when you think about it like that, uh, of how dominating this defense is. Before I go to you, Drew, I did want to follow up Charles. In terms of totality, you have a good recollection of the Pantheon of Jackson State sports swag, but specifically Jackson State, where does this defense fit? I mean, obviously, in some ways, um, since you have that last game on the season now, uh, they need to finish the deal, um, if you would, in terms of putting a total resume for a season together. But where would you go in the direction to give some people some thought process of where this team is, particularly what they've been able to do on the defensive side of the ball? I lost your audio for a second there, Dr. Neville. Could you re repeat that uh, question for me again? Yeah, sorry about that. Essentially what I was saying is, you know, when you talk about Jackson State, the pantheon of where they are uh, 
particularly from a defensive perspective, where does this team fit? Um, obviously, you, you talk about them needing to finish it. Yeah. Uh, to put the total resume of this season together. Previous years, you didn't necessarily have a celebration bowl out there that you could put on there. Obviously, you had this part where you had the Heritage Bowl, but at that time, in a lot of ways, Jackson State was going to the playoffs and or Southern uh, was a roadblock there. It didn't quite match up there. But even going further back than that, where do you put this defense, Jackson State University? Uh, and I, I have to give you the credit. This is something that he brought to my attention in terms of taking a look at this defense. Uh, we're taking a look at one of the greatest Jackson State defenses of all time. Uh, and especially when you start taking a look at it from the perspective of uh, some of these pass happy offenses playing in this era now where there's, uh, you know, you're playing in space a lot more. Uh, one of the defenses that comes to mind is Jackson State's 1987 defense. Uh, that is a defense that featured uh, uh, future uh, pros. Uh, and you had uh, the linebackers of uh, Cammy Collins, Dennis Connor, Darian Connor, Andre Lloyd, uh, some of the greatest linebackers in Jackson history, uh, the 1996 defense as well. Uh, but uh, you're talking about uh, a Jackson State defense that's only given up uh, 13 points per game. And then the, the ability that they have to really – uh, make you one-dimensional. It's something that I've talked about uh, quite often. They they really go out of their way to stop the run, and then they're able to pin their ears back, and they just have one of the best best edge rushers, I think, in the nation, James Houston, in that he can take over games. Uh, he mm-hmm. is really an issue uh, trying to, you know, he becomes unblockable at times, and then he's just a playmaker. And uh, we saw it again yesterday, uh, tremendously athletic play uh, to uh, – back the ball down and catch it uh, in the end zone. And again, he just looks at it from and a standpoint. Like, he caught that ball before it like went low. He was like kept, he right. one-handed and pushed it to the other hand. Like, kept his feet. Kept his feet. I mean, this is, this is amazing. It was, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Phenomenal watch. But, uh, uh, and just, uh, he, he being in on running plays as well, Aubrey Miller is uh, over 100 tackles, I believe, on the season as well. But this defense, their their speed uh, in terms of getting to the ball, and it's just been one of the themes all season with this defense, uh, 11 hats to the ball. And you really got an opportunity to see that up close again yesterday. Uh, they really fly around in terms of making plays, trying to stop the run, and then making one-dimensional. And then they can really come after the quarterback. Yeah, Jamie Walker jumps in here and says that front seven is phenomenal. In that vein, Drew, I want to ask you a question, not necessarily in terms of Jackson State, but in this day and age uh, with offenses being so prolific, the game being played in such a way that it's opened up, what are your thoughts in terms of the league going forward? Obviously, fam, you solid on the defensive side, a lot of depth in terms of their front seven. Prairie View has showed you that um, they could be in that equation in terms of what they've done defensively uh, for a large part of the year, particularly in this game. Do you see recruiting-wise, you know, you talk about copycat. Do you think more of the SWAT schools are going to go in that? Obviously, Valley in a lot of ways made, uh, had a very prolific defense uh, front seven. People talked about their toughness. And then we found out that they lead in the back end interception. So they might have in the total totality of a defense – may have been a strong uh, contender for what that looks like in a lot of ways, just weren't able to do it on offense. But my big framework moving forward, what do you think this means for the SWAC in terms of the defensive side of the ball? That was me? Yes, go ahead, Drew. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was playing with the computer. Uh, you've seen what Willie Simpson is out there doing as far as the recruiting goes. He's already putting it out there. He is trying to get some of the uh, some of the top athletes, not only from the portal, but also from high school. They've got a couple of uh, commits. I saw one uh, uh, about a three or four star from down in Clearwater, Florida, offensive lineman. And I, I, I think it's the attention that the SWAC is getting, especially after this weekend with Coach Prime, I mean, it's it's really going to change. Point, this game was flexed from ESPNU to ESPN2. Go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. And and I'll talk about this after we come out of our break, but I've actually got the, the live attendance numbers from not only the Power 5 games, but the Group of 5 games right here in front of them. And we, right, I'll yeah, talk let's about talk about those that. after we uh, get back from the break. And I'm just yep. waiting 
on the TV ratings to come out. My point is, you don't have to be at Georgia, Alabama, Texas to be seen. And what it looks like that's going that's happening is a lot of these African American athletes who are at some of these FCS schools in the middle of nowhere Ooh. are being targeted to come back to HBCUs. I mean, if you if you go go to a school in the middle of nowhere, you might as well go to a valley in the middle of nowhere and get you some culture. Or all court, if you're going to go to a rural school and get you some culture. If you want to go to a school in an inner city area and get your education, culture, and place a ball, you can go to a Jackson. You can go to a Prairie View. You can go to a FAMU. So depending on what type of setting you want, you can get it. And when you think about what happened to FAMU when we went to uh, Southeast Louisiana, those Black athletes who play for Southeast Louisiana, have to really open their eyes. Like, is this the type of culture that we want to play for? You know, we good as long as we y'all, boy, brother, N-word, whatever we want to say. But when the other ones come in who look like me or for the opposition, now you want to call them those things. But you're talking mm. about the same people who I break bread with on a daily basis. So not a, a lot of eyes are starting to open. They're coming back. And with the recruiting and everything else that's going on and the exposure that we're getting, they're just exposed at a Kennesaw State as they live at a Jackson State. Just exposed at a uh, Valdosta State as they are at a Bowie State. So I'll leave it right there. Great points made there. When we come back, uh, we might, in that fourth quarter, we'll get into a little bit of recruiting to see what we're hearing on the recruiting side, because I'm hearing from a lot of institutions, as you said, HBCU-wise, the recruiting is going pretty well. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens in December. Remember, that's that early recruiting period. And then, obviously, you have February, the big day. With that being said, this is Dr. Bill inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Let's get into halftime. We'll be right back after this second break. We might have a little something for you to check out as we come back, because uh, Charles Bishop is famous. He's getting a little shout-out. Him and Nibi. That's <laughs> pretty nice <laughs> when you know people of that caliber, I'll say. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. It's the show where we take you inside the game before the game begins. It's, it's the, the pregame. pregame. With your host, Charles Bishop. So get ready because we pregame harder than the other show's party. It's the pregame. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology. Protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. We're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub. Ooh, nice. Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome, everybody, to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and Shoulder Scalp Shield technology. True Black Essentials is a retail opportunity to bring black businesses under one roof where every product on every shelf in every aisle will be black-owned and black-produced by people all over the world. Statistics show that the $1.3 trillion of spending power that we have as black people can easily be turned into each black person having $2 million if we were to shop black for two years. So True Black Essentials will launch an e-commerce store on November 1st, 2020, but we will open up brick and mortar stores in Atlanta, New Orleans, Charlotte, Houston, and Jacksonville with the very first store opening in Atlanta, June 19, 2021. 
Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab looking into the second half of the show. Let's get into it. Uh, we talked about the matchup. Any last words that you wanted to add into that, Charles, in terms of the matchup? Or is it time to turn uh, to the celebration bowl? Is it time to make that pivot? Uh, you know what? Uh, you, you give yourself 24 hours, so I'm, I'm ready to go ahead and and, and make that pivot. It, it was tremendous sweat and championship game. Got to twenty four hours. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm a, I'm a I'm a basket a little while longer now. I, I say you <laughs> yeah, give yourself twenty four hours. You better get with the trophy and all. Do you get a little mini replica? Are you gonna put that on the shelf back there? Oh, you know I am. I got to. <laughs> I got to. Yeah, I'm, that has I'm to go back with, there. I'm done with you. I, I gotta make this, a poster uh, of it. Doctor Holmes is a. Uh, PV didn't seem well prepared. Did PV peak as a team at the Southern game? I think some people had that analysis. I don't, I don't think that was the case. I think, first of all, we need to be careful and give kudos to Jackson State University. Jackson State has a championship, and now you can sign on it, a championship defense. It was very good defense. Now it's a championship defense. Championship defense make you do things that you don't particularly like to do. I would like to say the way I looked at the game and broke it down, looking at stats and a couple of plays, I thought in terms of offensive play calling, the Coach Dooley played called a really good game. There were two passes, uh, and not to beat on Jawan Pass. He's a college student, so I don't, you know, college student. He's not pro, so he's not even pro players have times when they don't make these passes and throws. He missed two receivers that. Uh, uh, were open and probably would have been able to get into to the touchdown. It would have been a different game. But ifs and flips, well, all that, that wasn't the case. Uh, the same thing with the interception. Great play, as we talked about the quality. But if you're able to put maybe a little more arc on it, the play was there in terms of the running back had some space out there uh, to open up with green grass. So there's two teams fighting. So it's not always about one team not being prepared. It's the fact that one team is – pushing against the other team and you could talk about one side of the ball when you talk about prairie view prairie view defense came to play they shut down a very explosive offense so when i shut down i'm saying at least for three quarters and some people say if you look at their overall average for the game but there are multiple ways that you can win a game you can win a game with special teams i.e that's what happened you can win a game with defense i.e that's what happened it doesn't mean that you're not prepared. So I saw it a little differently, but I certainly see uh, what you're talking about there. I just think that you had a young man that didn't have a game, and part of that could have been just the normalcy and the magnitude of being on, uh, in a championship setting. You've seen that with, what, seven or eight other championship settings that took place? With that, let's go in that Drew talking about the attendance, 50,000. Or did you want to sound like you might want to jump in on that? Charles, before yeah. we go into the tennis part, did you want to say something, Charles? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I take a look at it um, and looking at your stat sheet, uh, I have to give kudos to uh, the Purdue's uh, defensive staff. Uh, Shadur Sanders, uh, 8 of 16, only 85 yards. That's just something that we haven't seen all season. Uh, at a minimum, he's throwing for over 200 yards. So you, you, you take your hat off. It was, it was a, a well-played game. I, I thought uh, what – tip the game in the balance, I think, were the other elements. Like you said, there's a championship-level defense. Uh, James Houston makes his play in the end zone, a tremendously athletic play. And then I, I talked about special teams. Like, I was hoping that Zay Bolden would get an opportunity uh, to, to, you know, to, for, uh, to field the kickoff. 
And, and sure enough, he did what he does. Uh, same thing with Warren Newman. Warren Newman had some big uh, momentum type plays, you know, that gets got the fans involved, you know, in terms of a punt return. So I was, you know, fairly surprised that uh, Prairie View kind of kicked to them because I, I think I said it, a Southern schematically, I thought, did the best to control that element of Jackson State's team in not kicking to Zay Bowden uh, in terms of pooch kicking and kicking away from Warren Newman. But I think in some ways to that, Charles, you're limited in terms of what your team can do and better based on their skill set. So you already seen that the team had some trouble in terms of special teams, the short punt. So I'm not sure if you can really ask that punter or kicker to make those type of kicks if that's not really what they're able to do well. So sometimes sure. you just got to stick what you can do and hope you can schematically uh, put other folks in positions. And sometimes that's just not the way it is meant to be. And that means that you got to find other ways to win the game like Jackson State did. Uh, with that, Drew, we started talking about the numbers, attendance-wise, versus other teams. Could you provide us some information? I know you had the Power Fives, the G5s. Where did um, ultimately the SWAC championship game stack up in terms of that? 50,000. 50,128. Man, that's a statement. Yeah. Actually, it was number six overall. Mm. When you, uh, it finished ahead of all the group of fives and just behind the power fives. So put that into perspective for all of those out there who are screaming playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. Don't wear it FCS playoffs where there be 50,000 fans for a game. So quickly <laughs> going through the attendance. Okay, Drew. Put, put the SEC championship game. 78-0-30. Big Ten championship game, 67183. I think both Big of those were records too. Championship game, 65771. Mm. ACC championship game, 57856. Mm. Pac-12 Top group of five team, Conference USA, 41-148. AAC with a Cincinnati who's going to wind up in the playoffs, 37-978. And think about that one. Cincinnati was at home also, just like yeah. Jackson State was at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, routed out, Sudbelt, 31-014. The Mountain West, 13, 445, and the back, 10, 317. Those were the last two, I think, were weekday games, though. Were they? No, they were Friday. So, still. Well, you had you had championships games started Wednesday, uh, Doc, depending on the conference. Okay, that's what I thought. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And the only thing I really want to see when it comes to the TV numbers is the fact that the SWAC championship game was on at the same time as the SEC championship game. And yes, we know they were on two different, uh, two different network carriers as the uh, SEC championship game was on CBS and the SWAC championship game was on uh, ESPN, but they actually have the same footprint, the SEC and the SWAC. So mm. I want to see how those may have possibly affected the TV doubles, where if those two did not go head to head, as far as time slots, you know, I think the SWAC championship game may have even done better TV numbers wow. uh, if it was not that competing against the SEC. Because I know a lot of people in this area were debating, do I watch Alabama, Georgia, or do I watch Jack Jackson State Prairie View if you're a HBCU football fan? Hmm. Yeah, great point. Charles, overall attendance first and then viewerships, what that may mean or what are your thoughts in terms of what they look like? Yeah, I mean, um, I, they were going head to head against the SEC in terms of that that time slot. So uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, there'll be some uh, questions in terms of um, how the numbers will look from a television perspective. Uh, but attendance wise, it looked tremendous. Uh, the highlights that I've seen thus far uh, in terms of Jackson State's fans. Uh, really coming out and supporting Jackson State football, supporting the SWAC championship, and kudos to Purdue. Uh, a lot of fans made the trip over 
uh, to Jackson uh, this weekend that contributed uh, to that 50,128. So, uh, you know, Jackson State is going to have that strong 35, 40,000, but kudos to Prairie. They, they, they brought 10 themselves. Let's take this quick break and then we'll get your thought in there, Drew. If we yeah. come back with our last quarter. This is Dr. Cavill inside the HBC Sports Lab. Stick with us. We'll be right back as we get into the fourth quarter. Put it up there. Let's four. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. I want you to get the vaccine because I want you to be safe. I don't want you to be a patient. I take care of you in the hospital. That's what I'm scared of. Can I hug you? Yeah. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. You see, Head & Shoulders has a scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. We're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub. Ooh, nice. Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome, everybody, to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head & Shoulders scalp shield technology. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as I'm. This is Doctorville inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike is on assignment, or probably still partying, um, in Jackson, Mississippi. Literally though, literally though. Jackson, people may say whatever they want. I got up at 4 o'clock to make sure I could catch the flight. So I'm outside about 4.30. And you come out and you hear this music and you realize <laughs> some people still in the club. That's like, now, now I'm wondering, was that Mike? <laughs> oh, like wow. In that club with everybody else. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, maybe actually on a different assignment, but I'm just saying. Andy Drew, uh, I know you have some thoughts that you want to share as we coming back from the break. Yeah, uh, getting back into this uh, numbers game that we're talking about, mm-hmm. HBCU fans, you got one last opportunity to influence the marketers out there uh, with, the, with the Celebration Bowl, both in attendance and viewership. And I challenge our people to make this the – biggest game outside the new year six and the playoffs i like it 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 has happened in in the past you know we've been around low 30s as far as attendance at the celebration bowl it's when you consider the distance from south carolina state to atlanta and then the rabbit fan base that jackson state has Mm -hmm. i think we're going to be well over 40 in atlanta for the uh for the celebration bowl in live attendance Plus, let's see how many eyeballs are watching on, not on the streaming platform, but on the free linear TV, as that game will be on linear TV. ABC. Charles, what are your thoughts in terms of attendance? Jackson folks going to show up? Are they they ready to double dip? Not only are Jackson folks ready to show up, but 
Jackson has a huge fan base in Atlanta. So I'm really looking forward to uh, the, the Atlanta fan base to really uh, show up in droves. Uh, uh, Atlanta has always been a tremendous uh, feeder uh, to, to Jackson State. Uh, I can say that because my my cousin <laughs> uh, was uh, has been over that uh, Atlanta chapter uh of of, mm. of Jackson State. So uh that's always been a, a point of pride there in terms of that. But uh yeah I'm looking forward to it. I, I know Jackson State is gonna turn up and turn out over there in Atlanta. Uh looking forward to it because uh that's almost one of those places that whenever we show up in Atlanta we saw it especially with the, the swag me challenge a couple of years ago. I was just gonna when, say when they played with the Yeah, what one wasn't that one of the largest, if not largest, me expect challenge games? It, it was one of the one of the largest, if not the largest. I think it was the largest though, uh, in terms of setting an attendance record for the me expect yeah. challenge there. I so think that's what it was. They set an attendance yeah. record at that time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, we Jackson State fans, they love the Jackson State football, and uh, now they have a championship team. They have a swag championship team. So definitely looking forward to setting a celebration bowl attendance record. And then South Carolina State, my understanding, they pretty much have sold out their block of tickets. You know, obviously awesome. they started early in terms of what was given on campus. And I'm sure um, they're already um, starting to buy out the other allotment of tickets. They get to start a little early. But so I believe South Carolina State, in terms of how they're hungry to get in the game, I think it's going to be unique from the standpoint you have two different teams that haven't been there uh, before in terms of the matchup. You had that once before with uh, Grambling and North Carolina Central. But outside mm-hmm. of that, it's been Grambling because they had repeated in that time. And then you had the A&T run, obviously, uh, most times, and then the Alcorn. So it's going to be unique from that perspective that you have different energy, different teams coming in. So that should be fascinating to see what that looks like. But thus far, I'm hearing good news in terms of what I'm hearing out of South Carolina State. As you said, A.B., um, they're a short distance away. So you got to imagine, uh, my understanding, they have a pretty good rabbit uh, cultural fan base in Atlanta as well. Seems like most HBCUs doing that part. <laughs> just one yeah, of right. the major metropolitan cities. Atlanta, just, Dallas, and DC, yeah, you're right. Chicago. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. LA to some degree, you have those areas, major metropolitan areas, where you have uh, a good fan, deep root of uh, alumni for various HBCUs, financially doing well. Southern, obviously, the show throw them out there in terms of that in terms of what they get done uh, in those areas as well. So with that being said, let's get into the next part of this. Drew, what are some common opponents? I think I recall a couple of them, but I, I wanted to see you get in there uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but maybe you can give some updates, scores, whatever. You had that Alabama A&M game uh, between South Carolina State, Alabama A&M, played both them and Jackson. Uh, South Carolina State also played um, – Florida A&M. Fabu, Bethune, and and Alabama A&M. They played Bethune-Cookman too as well, right? Yeah. Uh, At least three common opponents between South Carolina State that has played both them and Jackson State. Do you have any any scores on those matchups? Yes, I do. And let's give kudos to South Carolina State for trying to maintain the integrity of a HBCU football schedule with the – you know, with the BAC only having five HBCU opponents, they went out and intentionally scheduled other HBCUs to yeah. maintain to maintain their culture. You know, great uh, point. South Carolina State played, and they played. To your point, they played their old rivals. They played tough matchups, obviously with Alabama A and M, uh, top five team, uh, third best. In the East, and you may argue, depending on how South Carolina State uh, ends, the thing that you could arguably have a top three team in most people's top five, top ten rankings could come right there out of the East Division. <laughs> mm, wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. Hey, the, the, Who would have thought that a year ago? <laughs> well, I think you tried two, to stick three. that in on some of us. I don't know if you had it quite like that, but you said, don't be surprised if the East is going to be deep. And as we have alluded to, because uh, I'm going to be fascinated about data points of keeping up with this every year. The overall record with the East over the West in terms of what that looks like is fascinating. And then you talk about what the East did, again, non-conference uh, facing South Carolina State. Whew, boy, I tell you. 
Definitely. Yeah. Go ahead, Drew. The one non-swag opponent that they played that was HBCU was A&T. Just wanted to throw that out there. But the three mm-hmm. swag opponents uh, that they did play. Uh, week one, Jackson State defeated Florida A&M 7-6. Week five, South Carolina State lost to Florida A&M 30-7. Week seven, Jackson State defeated Bethune-Cookman 42-7. Excuse me, 42-12. to 12. Week four, South Carolina State lost to Bethune-Cookman. Let me rephrase. South Carolina State defeated Bethune-Cookman 42-35. And Alabama A&M, the big one. Jackson State defeated them 61-15 in week five. South Carolina State lost at Neobiter to them week one, 41-42. So if you look in just time-wise of opponents, the two opponents that they – the one opponent that they played that was in the same time time frame where you could say that that team was Mm – possibly peaking or not peaking was Bethune-Cookman week four and week seven, respectively. So that would be the one to look at first before you look at the, basically they flip-flop FAMU and Alabama A&M week one and week five between the two, as far as the schedules go. Yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. Going back to you, Charles, just your thoughts in terms of common opponents. Most people are going to come in here in this game. You know, I know this is not the way, that you would want to paint it in terms of being objective and just the way that you go about the business on that side. Certainly, I'm sure it's not the way the coaches are going to do it, but uh, let's be truthful with this. A lot of folks are going to believe that Jackson State should win this going away. How do you – How do you – you can't worry about the fan base. They're going to do what they say. They're going to do that. Mm-hmm. But how does the coaching staff in your frame, what you've seen all season – I know they're going to talk about it, but what have you heard them say in particular that you can share with us in terms mm-hmm. of how they go about that is more important to me. Well, as you well know, T.C. Taylor, he was a former offense coordinator at North Carolina Central. And the first thing – to go back. Congratulations yeah. to T.C. Yeah. Taylor. Yeah. And the first thing he will tell you uh, about the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, those lines are different. Offensive lines and defensive lines are different. You know, from a swag perspective, I don't know where they're getting them from, but the physicality is the something that jumps out at you uh, when you take a look at uh, these swag meag matchups. Uh, you take a look at North Carolina NT and, and Alcorn. It was always the line play that really kind of jumped out at you uh, with regards to uh, the meag uh, being I, what I would think was the more dominant, more physical uh, offensive mm. or defensive line. Uh, same thing uh, that you really t- kind of take a look at with that Grambling North Carolina Central matchup. I, I thought it was the Grambling uh, defensive line that year. And as we remember, you know, those guys, Christian Anthony and all those guys, they oh, were yeah. a, a dominant bunch. So uh, I always, you know, take a look at with reverence at the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference with regard to that line play. Those guys are physical on both sides of the line. Yeah, I, I agree with that in terms of that. Last comments you want to make in terms of that, Drew, in terms of the physicality that you've noticed uh, one way or other over the years in terms of MIAC SWAC, particularly in the MIAC SWAC Challenge or the Celebration Bowl, do you but, see that in the same framework as Charles did? But th- this is the opportunity for the, for the SWAC to get off the proverbial schneid as Mm-hmm. It's, it always seems like the SWAC has the team that everyone is talking about coming into the BAC SWAC Challenge and or the Celebration Bowl. But mm-hmm. the BAC walks away with the victory every time. You know, is it because in, you know, traditionally the BAC is more, more physical? Yeah, the SWAC has the, the skill players. The SWAC has the stars the glamour, the glitz, but it seems like the BAC has the grunts, the hard, the hard workers, the 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 ones who go in there and do the job that no one else needs needs to do, wants to do. Also, kicking game. Seems like the BAC teams traditionally have better special teams in kicking game. Be that the punter, be that the the kicker, be that the coverage teams. Those are the things that the SWAC teams in general, have given up and lost uh, some of these games 
because because of because of those things, special teams and line play. It's going to be interesting. We saw, we saw that. We saw that yesterday. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see if South Carolina State can carry that mantle for the MIAC and continue that domination of the SWAC when these two conferences come up against each other. Who gave Central a chance back in August? No one. Yeah, I was just going to bring that one up. Central a chance back in August. That's right. And what did they do to Alcorn? They pulled no up. Central. Give South Carolina State a chance against Jackson State. Can Jackson State answer the challenge? We'll say that. We'll say that for another show on another day. Yeah, we're gonna get plenty of time to get in it. We got two weeks. We'll get in a little bit this week, but we'll go a little more in terms of the basketball round ball review. See if we can get on that a little bit as we have a week, and then we'll pick up and peek things off. We'll be in Atlanta. We'll be there live. So Thursday, most likely, we'll do a show live from Atlanta. Uh, Friday, we'll have the radio roll, so we'll do something special for you Friday. Uh, and then we'll turn over and uh, let the game do its thing on Saturday, and we'll come back and you'll see us on Sunday talking about a close of the season. Somebody will come out with a Celebration Bowl champion. I will say this about the unique Jackson State. It's obviously this is a different type of defensive front, maybe the best defensive front that you've seen from a SWAC team since Grambling State with Princeton, Anthony, and those individuals. I would argue this team up front may be a little tougher than that team there. So it'll be fascinating to see that clash, South Carolina State's offensive line versus the defensive side line of Jackson State. I would also say this. I believe that you may have finally seen the maturation of the SWAC to catch up with that physical play in terms of what we've seen this year from a defensive side of the ball. And it may be even that the Eastern division, if you would, that obviously has two of the incumbents coming over directly from the MEAC uh, that may be even ahead of the West in terms of the physicality of the defensive front. So I'm interested in that matchup, that defensive line uh, for Jackson State and the offensive line of South Carolina State. We've seen it play out a little earlier. Um, in terms of obviously the first game of the year, so you can talk about that with that South Carolina State and Alabama A&M uh, where you matched up offense with Galore. You've seen it differently with FAMU. You've seen them get it done against Bethune-Cookman, so I'm fascinated in that part of that. But that'll do it for us today. Appreciate the lab listeners and the time. Get in there. Say it again. Congratulations to Jackson State University Tigers 2021. <laughs> it's uh, SWAC championship game winners. Uh, I see Charles kind of chucking me up. He, I bring it out there. He smiles big. And that's what gave me pause. I was like, man, he can't get over it. <laughs> Again, shout out to you in terms of the cigar as we talk about that slow burn, Waco.com. We'll make sure that you get your packet to you uh, so you'll have your cigars in time for the Celebration Bowl in case you need them again as well. Thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. We'll see if we can go find Mike and make sure that he makes it back to Houston safely. Uh, again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Mills inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday, 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. Shout out to A.D. Drew. Brian and AD of Sports Wrap, they'll be on the night to give you some different insights. BJ Jones most likely will be up on the BCSN. So download my JV and my BCSN to get that done. Uh, and so, again, shout out to shout all out. those that support us. From, we look forward to next week as we discuss the latest in the news. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's inside HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, as Facebook, and YouTube inside the HBC Sports Lab. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Drew? Lecture. Dismissed.